Although many of the world's film critics would like to dispute this fact, us culturally conscious girlies know the truth. Ratatouille is one of the best films in the world. Ratatouille is the toast of Pixar and has inspired many people to explore the culinary arts or, dare I say, even move to France. But not everyone celebrates its success. Amusing idea doing a whole episode about Ratatouille. What is even more amusing is that these girls actually seem to believe that they should do it. I, on the other hand, take podcasting seriously and no, I don't think anyone should do it. Bonjour à toutes et à tous and welcome back to another episode of Culturally Conscious. My name is Rebecca Lang and as per usual now I have bestie of the pod Sarah Best with me. Hello darlings. Good to be back. <laughs> and we're here to do an episode that literally nobody asked for but just felt so deeply important to me to do this and we will be talking about Ratatouille today. Ratatouille, the Disney film. I feel like nobody else asked for it, but I was like, I will. I was like, <laughs> I will step in. I want to do it. Priscilla is a professional film major. Um, a professional? You got paid. Well, actually, you paid money to major in film, didn't you? I, yeah, I did. But you know what? Follow your dreams. That's what Remy told us. Yes, he did. Big supporter of following your dreams. Yeah, and that's what we're here to do today, because this is... This is a dream for me just to talk about this movie because I have loved this movie ever since I was a little kid. And I really think looking back on it as an adult, I really think this movie just influenced me so much more than I will probably ever know. Because when I was a little kid, I never really gave a fuck about France. You know how there are some girls who had like the Paris aesthetic, everything Mm -hmm. was like pink and stuff. That was never my vibe. I thought that was really like uh, uncomfortable and cringy. But I loved this movie and I just think like the reason why I moved to France is partially because I've seen this movie so many times and it just gave me such a beautiful romanticized idea of what Paris is. But, you know, at least it's real because they have a lot of rats and that is accurate. Yes. I want to ask you about the Paris, France of it all, Um, because I feel on this is going to get into character analysis, which I will talk about probably later. Um, but does it feel like an authentic version of France? Like, I feel like Paris is like a character of the movie. And so do you feel like when you were there, you felt like Remy, like, as in like pursuing your dreams and like, that's the place where you can be your authentic self? That is a great question. I actually have never considered it from that perspective, but I guess I did feel a little bit like Remy while I was there. Because as an American, I was constantly insecure and felt like I didn't quite fit in and that, you know, I was othered to a certain extent. Not really, because people are pretty nice (laughs) about Americans and they still like American culture and they know a lot about our culture. So not quite as othered as Remy was, but I did feel a certain discomfort just moving around and... I was following my dream of just living in France because that that had been a dream of mine since I was in high school. And I think it definitely, I don't know, I I think there are some similarities of how Remy felt when he was bumbling around Paris trying to figure it all out, trying to just fit in. 
But yeah, I, maybe that's why I, I love this movie so much because I can really relate to how he felt. Yeah, but the city in itself is like so historic for art and for architecture and for food. So it makes a lot of sense that they would place that in Paris. You know, the city of lights, a romantic city, a city for dreamers. Yeah, and Paris as a city in our cultural imagination really represents like haute cuisine or just kind of like really classy high art. And I do think that was a great jumping off place for this film because it just kind of sets this, the bar of the vibe mm-hmm. of this is this is the fancy world that Remy is entering. Yeah, I mean, they could have placed it in like New York has a really good food scene or London. But with France, I feel like they picked that specifically because of like the cultural imagination behind it, but also because it itself is a city has so many artistic roots, you know, with like painters and, you know, again, architects and poets. It's just such a great way to like add in the city and the cultural context into such a beautiful story about art. Yeah, and the whole movie is just talking about art. So I I agree. I think putting it in France, well, in Paris specifically, was just, I mean, I love it too because I obviously love Paris. But I think it really, it was a good idea. It was a smart move. It was a smart move and it really helped tell the story quite well. So yeah, I'm, I just love this movie so much. I love food. I even worked at a French, a French cafe for a little bit. I was making crepes just like Remy and Linguini were when they're <laughs> learning how to cook together. So, and one day I, it is my dream to have a whole kitchen full of that beautiful copper, uh, like those pots and pans mm-hmm. that they use in that kitchen. I would love for my, my house kitchen to look exactly like the film. I will recreate it. Okay. I will, I will figure it out. But yeah, I just, this movie is very important to me. And then also watching it as an adult, I feel like there are just so many deeper themes that obviously I didn't catch when I was a young kid. Exactly. I was thinking about that too. Like making this as a kid's movie, but it's also for adults as well. Like kids don't cook, they're kids. Like, but it's still like relatable in a lot of ways to everyone, kids, um, adults, chefs not chefs like just people who really yeah it is just relatable to anyone who is pursuing their dream and I think that's so unique for um, an animated film to have sometimes very unique film yeah you can definitely tell that it was made for adult audiences too obviously it's fun and Remy is just a cute little rat so Kids love him. I loved him. I still love him. But I loved him so much when I was a little kid. But I think, yeah, it's a really... You can tell that this film, there was so much thought and so much meaning that was put into it. And you can tell that it was made by true artists. Yes. It was a, an original way of putting it as well. Like, nobody has... I think if you had come up to me and said, oh, we're going to make a rat a chef, I'd be like, what? That's a crazy idea. But the way that it's packaged in this movie is just so smart. It's so smart. Um, I'm, we're going to talk about it. All right. Well, Sarah, do you want to tell us your thoughts and feelings on the movie? We just finished watching it, so... I'm still fresh. high on that ratatouille <laughs> drug. It's fresh on the brain. It is. Well, I, myself, am no cook. I am not 
wise in the cuisine. <laughs> I I don't cook very well. I'm not. That's not my passion. We actually, while we were watching this movie, and we've said this before, and I'll say it again. I am more of a Remy and Sarah is an Emil. Yes. Uh, in food, she I am definitely. garbage. Yeah, one time I did. No, <laughs> that's another story. But um, in the beginning, when I was just learning how to cook during the pandemic, some of the food you ate was, uh, you know, I was experimenting. I was not at my peak rummy back then. So some of it was kind of garbage, but you liked it. Yeah, there's some really salty focaccia that I just <laughs> scavenged out of the trash. One time I was trying to make focaccia, but I was only going to make half of the recipe. So I was halving all of uh, the ingredients, except I forgot to half the salt. So I used double the amount of salt. So when the focaccia came out, it was so salty and it was stuck to the bottom of the pan because I think I didn't butter it. Again, this is the beginning of my cooking days. So I didn't butter the pan. So you literally had to like scrape just crusty salt bread off of it. And so I was like, oh, no one's going to want to eat this. I come into the kitchen. Sarah's like, her, she's a bent over, shoving it into her mouth. I'm like, Sarah, don't eat that. I'm like that rat in the beginning. It's like, it's rats. And they're like, eh. no, that's Sarah. But anyway, continue. Okay, so. So, yes, I don't really understand the art of cuisine. And I understand that. But I do relate to Remy in the way that he is so, so passionate about his art. And I feel the same way as well when I'm, like, really investigating into art history or film theory. And it makes me feel so much emotion and so much love uh, for the craft. So I can relate to him on that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that passion, whether it be, you know, sports, whether it be cooking like Remy or art like me, music. There's so many things that that Remy symbolizes. So and I think they showed that in the film in really, really intriguing and like visually precise ways. For example, the colors. Lots of the vibrant colors don't really originate from the world that Remy is in. It's coming from, like, the colors from the food. The food is the most brilliant, vibrant source of color in the film, which makes a lot of sense since that's what Remy loves. And then the other one, which I was going to say earlier, is Paris. Like when he goes up and he sees all of Paris and the beautiful. Oh, the first time he sees Paris, like it makes, it takes my breath it's, away. It's every a time. moment you have to really take in and see the sky and the beautiful warm lights. And of course the, the sparkling Eiffel Tower is like breathtaking. And it's again, before we even see Paris, he's climbing up all these gray pipes on these gray roofs. It's all gray until we see this huge vibrant splashes of color with the Eiffel Tower. You see the Seine. You mm-hmm. see Chef Gusteau and his little restaurant. It's just, yeah. Which also just the, the city represents so much love for art in general. And then they have like these cute little sequences where, you know, he's tasting the fruit and, and then there's a new music. There's there's fun colors dancing and then he tastes the cheese and that's a different like type of music and colors dancing and so when he combines it all together you get these fun like jazzy notes of different music combining different uh, foods combining which is like the literal sense and different colors combining so through these three things we understand 
that art is a combination of a lot of beautiful things. And whether it's food or art, sports, whatever, whatever your passion is, that image just kind of signifies that reaction, that emotion, which was really smart. Like to show emotion through those things is kind of a difficult thing to do that you can only do through film. And I really appreciate that they did that. Yeah, I feel like they summed up how I feel and like what art is in like two seconds really simply with just a rat eating a piece of cheese and a piece of strawberry. It's just like a universal feeling that just they just nailed that one. They did. But then later as well when Emil is he's trying to get Emil to like understand how he feels about food and Emil like me (laughs) doesn't get it as much so you know the colors are just kind of get he just doesn't understand it. And so maybe for a meal, it's something else. We don't know. But because we know that about Remy and the way he feels about food, we can understand more about a meal, too. And they show that. Yeah. And so I guess when that is communicated through this movie and how I feel about Remy and how Remy signifies like artists in this day and age. It just feels so like seen. It seems it feels relatable, just relating to this little rat who loves to cook. Yeah, and I think Remy represents kind of the quintessential artistic spirit and just the love for creation. And he's juxtaposed against against? Do you say juxtaposed against or he's he's juxtaposing? He's juxtaposing <laughs> uh Skinner, who is the opposite of that. Skinner is just you know, a greedy sellout who is sell who's trying to make money off of a dead Chef Gusto's image in selling microwave burritos and all these microwave mm-hmm. uh, cheap versions. Yeah, of he's food. all about power and and money and money over quality of art. Yeah, and Repi or Repi <laughs> Repi <laughs> and Remy is just the opposite of that. And I really like how they showed that too because it even more sends us the message that art is just truly about the love of it, the passion. And I don't know. I also think it says a lot about, uh, we're kind of skipping a little forward in the movie with this, but Remy later on, he, you know, they say it multiple times. He's like, comes from the most humble of origins as Mm -hmm. a little rat chef. And he chooses to make ratatouille. I know. And he's from the countryside, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. And ratatouille is a dish that is from, I I believe it's from Provence in in the south of France, but very countryside vibes. It's all, you know, summer vegetables. And I think... I don't, I'm pretty sure that the writers or Brad Bird or whoever named this movie, when they were deciding to name it, they were like, oh, Ratatouille, that's so fun. What a fun pun. But they could not have picked like a better food for this movie. No, I agree. And I wrote about that as well because it just shows his authentic self. His, it's it's his like origin. a combination of who like, he is. He's putting who he is into his art and that's what makes mm-hmm. him so successful. And right before that, he finally realizes that he's neither just rat or just human. He's, he's himself. He's something different. He's something new. And we visually see that because Linguini puts his hand out in the street for Remy to go back at his house with him. And then uh, Remy says no. And then his dad's like, come along back to the rat pack. And Remy says no. And he decides to walk his own path. And he goes and just stares at the Eiffel Tower all night, which if we're saying the Eiffel Tower slash Paris just represents love for art, artistic spirit, whatever you want to call it. 
that's what he is mm-hmm. choosing to like. He's an artiste. Exactly. And it's it, he has to walk this road alone. He has to be something different. Or he just needs to be, to me, I was like, he is his authentic self. He is still like part rat and he is still part human. He's just like in the ratatouille dish, he has his origins, his humble, humble origins uh, from the countryside as a rat, you know? <laughs> and then he combines his love of food to create something innovative, to create a feeling. And I think that what is what wins ego over because, you know, you're taking something that's seen as unexceptional like a rat (laughs) which is this ratatouille dish and you're making something exceptional out of it through your love and passion for the art and we can see also Remy is now trained to work in a haute cuisine kitchen right like he got trained essentially by Colette Mm -hmm. how to so he he's kind of combining his his training but also who he is and where he comes from in order to make this this perfect dish that, yeah, that mm-hmm. shatters ego's cold, broken, well, not shatters it, he, like melt- melts his cold heart. Exactly. Also, I didn't notice during the last couple times that I've seen it, but this time I noticed that Colette is is at war a little bit with Remy. Not at war, but they're in like conflict where Colette says she has these strict rules, like, she still believes that anyone could cook, but she's like, follow the recipe. Like, this is how you become like a good chef. And at the end where he's like, we're making ratatouille. And she's like, this is just a simple dish. She's like, no, but it's a peasant dish. But we're just going to do it my way. We're going to make it something new, something fresh, which is, you know. Well, how would you prepare it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's and that's how artists kind of like work with each other. You know, they bring things out that the other wouldn't know and you know you teach each other about innovation and things like that so I was like oh my gosh like I'm glad they added that in because you know there's so many character interactions going on with him and Linguini him and his gusto figment of his imagination but to add also that on top of everything I was like so good so good and just Colette as a character I think is really interesting obviously she has her whole little monologue talking about how hard it is to be a woman in a man's world right in this you know cooking fancy world that she has been excluded from so she can relate to Remy and in the end when Remy and Linguini come clean about who's actually doing the cooking everybody else leaves and Colette does leave too she's like I cannot believe this I cannot do this but then she sees uh Gusto's book and says anyone can cook and I think for me it makes sense for her to be the one chef to come back because she's probably been told that she can't do things or people didn't really I don't know expect much from her just because she's a woman so she's had to fight against people's ideas of what she represents and who she is so it makes sense that she would come back and basically see the vision so slay for her mm-hmm. women and, and rats and also we had seen her she's the one person that stood up for linguini when and said the philosophy anyone could cook to like defend him so we already know she has that strong stance mm-hmm. um and these strong beliefs behind it so i think it was smart to also add that in as a woman and then she sees the anyone can cook book um, and comes back to help as them. like a reminder of her morals and what she really believes mm-hmm. 
And she's so nice to like be able to like she's kind of a tough love mm-hmm. girly, but she does teach you know Linguini around the kitchen. She does give him advice, and she welcomes him in as part of the cooking family. And you know that's always just so beautiful to see when people are you know helping other people learn and seeing these artists just collaborate, work together. Yeah, she's great. They do start to conflict once Colette and Linguini start dating, and we see that in Remy's face most of the time and his annoyance. And whenever Linguini brings up Colette and says, like, well, she's taught you a lot, or she, you know, she's a chef too. It's not just about your opinion. And we see also at the same time Remy getting kind of more annoyed that he's not getting any recognition for his work. And not only that, but now basically Linguini's kind of crediting another chef. Linguini starts to get very wrapped up in the fact that he has started climbing the social ladder. Now he's seen as this big famous chef and he's being interviewed by all these reporters. So we see ego, <laughs> the we see ego kind of getting in the way of the, these characters' relationships. Literally at the time, <laughs> the villain of the story, ego. Anton Ego, he shows pops up. his head up. Hello, Arvidsson. Okay. Like, in the beginning, they work together because they need each other, but then they start to kind of drift apart through the conflict of each other's egos starting to flare up, I guess. And I thought that was so smart because the whole movie is about art and what is essentially, I guess, what's the villain of... What are, like, the two main villains of the movie? You have Skinner, who is greedy, capitalistic, and doesn't really care about the quality and just, you know, wants to make money. He's the anti-art man. Exactly. And so is Ego, because all he does is he's a food critic who is just coming to, like, basically destroy Gusteau's because he didn't like it one time in the past, and he's so close-minded that he is not, like, he's going into this restaurant hoping to, like, put the final nail in the coffin. He literally works in a room, or coffin-shaped room. So he, to me, ego represents almost, like, the death of art. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really interesting, and obviously when I was a little kid, I had <laughs> no idea that they were saying that, but... You and I, we've talked about this before on the pod, but we're actually writing a script and we're making we're making a film. And I just feel like watching this movie as two script writers, it just feels very different to me and talking about the ego and, you know, being so caught up in how you're going to be perceived by everyone. I feel like to me that is absolutely the worst thing that it always stifles me in my creativity is when I think about instead of thinking about what I want to make, I oftentimes find myself thinking about how it's going to be uh, received or how other people are going to perceive me because of this. And that completely takes me off track of whatever I'm making. Mm -hmm. And with this podcast, too, I mean, being scared about how people are going to perceive me versus just making this art because I want to and it's fun and it's artistically fulfilling for me to talk about ratatouille for an hour Mm -hmm. you know I have to do that because it's something I just want to do and it's going to make me happy I just have a pure passion for ratatouille (laughs) but and talking about art you know I think art is a common theme in these podcast episodes already because it's so important to me and I just I think that's why this film was so so meaningful to me even as an adult because they're saying so much about creativity about ego about trying to capitalize off of art and yeah it's just 
I really I really appreciate it yeah and I do feel the exact same way I do feel seen although I'm not a chef I'll say it again (laughs) well but Remy represents any form of art right you know you can definitely relate when you want to paint something but then you get nervous Mm -hmm. about it because you're scared of how if it what if it's not good yeah that's all ego talking I do protect you and be like but if it's not good then people are gonna hate me it is like you have to shut that voice out yeah it is like the main thing that brings you down when you're trying to enjoy making your own craft it's the self-doubt it's the like what are other people gonna think about this it's like this is my vulnerable authentic self it's like putting all your self-expression into one thing or it's thinking I'm so great I'm not you know being complacent and over I guess proud in your your art instead of really just doing it just to do it and just to be happy you know mm-hmm. just to for the love of the craft exactly oh I really liked Alfredo Linguini's character I also thought it was funny like that his movements like because with animation you have the freedom and like to really over exaggerate your character so you know for like Anton Ego he looks like he's dead or like um, this the old lady in the beginning, like with her big glasses and the way she just shoots guns and stuff, crazy. But with Alfredo Linguini, I would just call him Linguini. He <laughs> does act very and um, this. I don't know if this was intended or not. He does have like noodly arms and he has like a fluidity about him, which I think was such a smart thing to do because. When Remy is controlling him, you can tell because he's like more, you know, there's that scene where they're practicing um, Remy controlling it with his hair and he's like chopping all the things that he's like catching things that are falling and stuff like you can tell that like Remy is that way about food. Mm-hmm. but with Linguini and he's like he's, he's just klutz. so like a klutz. He, he just it's not for him. Like he's not a cook. And I thought that was such a smart way to show that, to show that Linguini is just a tool, <laughs> basically being used by Remy um, mm-hmm. and just using using that with like body language was very smart. I think a directing move. Mm-hmm. Also that like Anton Ego is British. I thought that was kind of unusual as well, maybe because the French are always in a rivalry with the British. <laughs> I was like, yeah, is the French, they made him that? Maybe it's like the French represent like the true artists and the British is where <laughs> art goes to die. No, I don't know. But yeah, I, it, it further draws the line between mm-hmm. Anton Ego, this world of criticism and this world of artists who are creating and, you know. Yeah, and I think also Remy says at some point, like, I want to... I, what does he say? He says, like, I want to bring things into this world. I want to create. And I just think, like, that is really interesting. And all in and, and Anton Ego's, uh, his little monologue where he changes his tune about Remy and just rats, I guess, in general. And he talks about how the position of a critic is, like, fairly easy. And it's just easy for them to, like, look over everyone mm-hmm. and judge them and look down upon them. And I'm like, that's so true because it really does, like... And they... And Gusto says this, like, it takes guts to be an artist, to just try new things. He says, only the fearless can be great. 
and Remy is fearless. He literally goes into a kitchen full he of does. humans that are ready to kill him. So many times he disregards the danger and is mm-hmm. like, but food, like, but what can I make? He, you know, there's the time with the, yeah, the old woman and she shoots everyone. Mm-hmm. Or there's the time where he's like watching and he sees Linguini mess up the soup and he's like, well, I got to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He literally was like two steps away from freedom, mm-hmm. but he was like, this is my one chance to live my dream, and so I, I'm going to do it. And I think with all the times that he's come back into danger, it shows why he is the way he is. So, like, with food, it's like he's always getting into danger, but he finds a way to, like, use food in the way he wants to. But then there's one time where, you know, he's with Linguini, and Linguini is supposed to, like, throw him into the sand or, like, kill him or whatever. And... He lets Remy go and Remy runs away, but he comes back. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows not because of his love of food, which maybe it is, too, because he gets to do what he wants through Linguini, but also because he has empathy for Linguini and Linguini is going to lose his job and Linguini saved him. So I think through that, we also see a characteristic of Remy that he cares about other people as well. And he, you know, it solidifies that bond with Linguini just right there in the beginning, Mm -hmm. which was really smart as well. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So now that we have discussed Remy as an artist and how, what this film is talking about, about art, I was watching, I was doing some research for this episode. I watched a YouTube video called capitalism, poverty and Ratatouille by the sin squad And when I first clicked on this video, I was like, I'm not really sure Ratatouille is saying that much about capitalism because it is a movie uh, by Disney and it is not in their best interest to critique capitalism. But I was really surprised to see how many elements of this kind of theme, this anti-capitalist theme are in that just show up in Ratatouille, even if Brad Bird didn't necessarily mean for that to come out. Although, I mean, he has Skinner in as a character and they have uh, the selling out. He literally, uh, I think Gusteau says, we're inventing new ways to sell out over here or one of the, like the the Southern Gusto or one of the corndog Gustos, one of the many Gustos that they're trying to sell. So... Microwave burritos? Microwave burritos? <laughs> And so obviously like he was saying something about that, but I think he was trying to say that more about art than necessarily as a critique on capitalism. However, the themes are present. So I am going to give you basically a summary of that video and what um, the Sin Squad was saying about this topic, because I just found it to be so interesting. And I'll let you I'll let you tell me what you think. I think you've seen this video, right? Yeah, I did. I did give it a watch. Yeah, but. You can tell me what you think after I read you the summary. Okay. Here is an anti-capitalist reading of Ratatouille. Remy belongs to a community of rats who live underground slash hidden in the walls or considered to be hidden in the underbelly of society. His father refers to food as fuel and seems primarily concerned with survival and is unimpressed with Remy's gift of smell. From the very beginning of the film, it is known that Remy is a rat unlike any other in his clan due to his gift of a powerful sense of smell. Also, when you watch the movie, you can visually tell that Remy is unlike any of the other rats because he's literally like almost blue, whereas everyone else is kind of like a muted Mm gray-brown. And he's really skinny and he walks upright. 
So visually, he, does it. he walks like a human. He walks like a little human. So visually, they're giving a lot to us in the beginning of the movie to show Remy. He ain't like these other girls. He's mm-hmm. different. He's human. It's good character design. Yeah. I know, as now that we're writing the script, I feel like I watch every single movie very different. I watch probably movies how you, well, not exactly, because you have a full four year degree mm-hmm. of how to study film. But it's a I different way to see it. it, you know? Yeah, I appreciate definitely. it a mm-hmm. lot more. While he plays an important role in his community, ensuring that none of their food has been poisoned, he is nevertheless unhappy as a consequence of his artistic unfulfillment. He cannot be the rat that he desires to be. He frequently enters a space that is forbidden to him in order to learn more about his passion, the human world. Remy frequently enters the old lady's kitchen in order to learn more about cooking. This is a world within which he is seen as disgusting, dirty, and separate from the humans. After Remy gets separated from his family, he finds himself in Paris, a glamorous city that is dominated by humans. Following his passion for food, he ends up in the late Chef Gusteau's kitchen and meets Alfredo Linguini, a poor garbage boy who is othered and disrespected by Skinner, the restaurant's head chef. Both of these characters are excluded from the world of haute cuisine and are associated with garbage and therefore filth, which is a classic indication of poverty. You know, think about the dirty peasants. <laughs> Every time I watch Les Mis, and it's like, at the end of the day, when I'm like, oh. <laughs> so your bum doesn't make any bread. Yeah. They, they literally look like they just live in this. They're just like the filthiest people ever. You know but, what? I did watch that movie recently. I was like, damn, they're fucking suffering they, here. I mean, it's literally Les Miserables. They are so miserable. But you can tell, I think that is probably used a lot. You know, think of like, Oliver Twist. All these poor people are mm-hmm. always just covered in dirt. They're, <laughs> they're rags. always dirty. So obviously we associate poverty with filth and, you know, in Parasite, the smell and how like they're always like, oh, those poor people smell bad. Once in a, like once again, that's just yeah. another use of filth, I guess, uh, to signify poverty. Also, Linguini lives in a teeny tiny apartment, which is most likely a chambre de bonne, which is the maid's quarters. So pretty much only like students live in those places or people who really have very little money. They're at the very top floor, usually the sixth or the seventh floor of the building. And Mm -hmm. usually they don't have an elevator. So you got to take the stairs all the way up. And it's not a very nice place to live. See, that's cool, though, that you have that context because you've lived there and like known people who've lived in these like maid's quarters or whatever. Like, I don't have that context i've spent some time in these maid quarters because i was i mean i luckily when i was an au pair my host family didn't make me live in the maid's quarters but i have a lot of friends who did live in the chambre de bonne Mm -hmm. so and i would like hang out up there i'd go up those like seven flights of stairs so i've lived that dirty peasant life i guess (laughs) at least partially in uh in paris so once again i can relate to my king remy So once Linguini sees Remy's raw talent, they decide to work together in order to succeed in this exclusionary world of high society. It is also important to note that all of the other cooks in the kitchen come from humble and unique origins and are not quote unquote snooty or snobby as Colette tells us. Oh. Yeah, they're all like one. uh, They're all like prison. Yeah, one was the the German one went to prison because he quote unquote killed a man with his thumb or whatever. (laughs) Whatever the real reason actually was. Like running guns to the resistance. They're like, what resistance? 
apparently they lost <laughs> he doesn't say oh like, why not i want which was this see, like those jokes i'm like those are for kids no and those well, are for adults and uh lalo though i think he's probably he has like i think a caribbean like something accent he sounds like he has like a little jamaican accent and she says that he was he ran away to join the circus but he got kicked out because he was fooling around with the ringleader's daughter nope. and yeah when i was a kid i was like <laughs> yeah, right over your head. All, yeah all he cared about was the thumb was i yeah. killed the man with, with this thumb, thumb. Yeah, and that's, that's a good line that's for the kids that's <laughs> for the kids but as an adult i'm like oh <laughs> anyway with the help of colette our dynamic duo succeeds and moves up the ladder with linguini eventually owning the restaurant which i thought this was a really interesting point which they point out in the video too that Linguini only owns the restaurant because oh, he's Remy. a Nepo baby. <laughs> he's Gusto's son. Well, also, which, he only owns the restaurant because, I mean, yes, because he's his son, but Remy's just, he's been given everything a little bit from Remy. Remy's cooking the food for him that's making him good. Yeah. Remy steals the papers that are in the will. Remy's doing say, all the work. And bringing them to Linguini. He's so literally pulling he the strings. The head of the restaurant. So. Mm -hmm. Remy really deserves a lot of credit there. Yeah, no wonder he's fucking pissed <laughs> during the interview when uh, Linguini's talking about his inspiration yeah. and that he's gifted because, of course, mm -hmm. he's the son of Gusto. So it makes sense why that conflict leads to that. But I also thought it was really interesting how that just kind of like mirrors real life. The only reason why Linguini gets to own the restaurant is just because he is the son of Gusto. Mm -hmm. He is a Nepo baby. Mm -hmm. They are able to eventually afford an enormous, beautiful apartment and enjoy a higher social status. So all is going swimmingly until Anton Ego, a food critic of the haute cuisine world, comes to review the restaurant. Remy and Linguini are eventually forced to come clean about their operation, and all of the cooks in the kitchen abandon them, except for Colette. Well, we already talked about this. She leaves, but then she remembers her values, and she comes back. And the rats are the ones who step up to help Remy accomplish his goal. I thought this was interesting, too, because Remy's dad the whole time uh, it does not agree with Remy's vision. He thinks it's dangerous what he's doing in the human world, and mm -hmm. he doesn't understand his passion. But once he, under once he sees yeah. that Remy is still somewhat able to navigate this world, and he's changing... His also, his dad's name is Django. Oh, Django. <laughs> I don't know why it's never mentioned in the film, but if you look at the script, his name is Django. So Django realizes that maybe we can have a world where humans and rats do get along through the relationship of Remy and Linguini. And I thought that was beautiful because he sees something new yes. and then he, he decides to support his son. But he sees something brave as well. I think he realized how brave it is what Remy is doing. And I think a lot of the conflict between Django and <laughs> Django and Remy are like, oh, like what you're doing is unnecessary. What you're doing is insignificant. Mm -hmm. You know, his pursuit of art, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then finally, when Remy realizes that he needs to make this ratatouille or whatever, and then he's he's brave and he's being authentic. He's showing himself to the like cooks. I think that's where Jane goes like, oh, look at how brave this is. And uh, I think that's where that resolution came in with the father-son thing. And he like sees the importance of his art. He sees how powerful it is 
what Remy is doing. He literally has a human on his side, mm-hmm. you know, which we see earlier. Django takes him to the <laughs> the rat pesticide. Oh, pesticide. Yeah, store, that was scary. The hanging dead rats. I know. So obviously we see that Remy is not welcome in this world. And for the first time, Django, <laughs> every time I say his name, for the first time, Django can picture a different world. And I think that's that's what art does. It can create, it can just changes the way, you know, we see the world. It changes the way we interact with it, the way we mm-hmm. interact with each other. And again, they, they showed that so beautifully. Yes, they did. So also during this time, we see the rats step up, obviously, to help Remy. And I was reading this essay uh, that is called What's Queer About Remy Ratatouille in French Cuisine by Laure Murat, if she's French, but if Eng- American, Laure Murat, sorry. <laughs> and in this, she says, quote, Ratatouille can hardly be read as a typically American celebration of individualist triumph. This film does not replace one authoritarian and solitary chef, Skinner, with a better individual. Instead, it celebrates solidarity among rats and humans. The team of cooks wins over Anton Ego's heart. Moreover, the relationship between cuisine as art and imagination and cuisine as commerce is systemically addressed. Skinner's ambition to make a fortune by creating a frozen food empire using Gusteau's name is obviously criticized. The mixing between members of different communities or species is presented as the antidote to a compartmentalized and sanitized world. And once again, you're just kind of saying when you take, you know, Remy could be the cheese and Linguini can be the strawberry or like mm-hmm. rats in the human world. And when you bring them together, it makes something better and stronger. So once again, we see that theme over and over and over mm-hmm. again throughout the film. In order to impress Ego, Remy chooses to make ratatouille, which Colette refers to as a peasant dish. Remy, a culinary artist who comes from the humblest of origins, essentially uses a dish that is indicative of his past to win over Anton Ego. He is a true artist using what makes him who he is in order to find his success. And then in the end, Remy has the support of three humans and his rat pack to live out his dream, albeit separate from the human world because rats are seen as dining separately from the humans. Mm. So we have not quite achieved a human rat utopia in which both species can coexist peacefully. However, we are left with hope that no matter where we come from, we are still capable of achieving our dreams with the support of our community. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was a really true (laughs) reading of the film. And again, I'm not sure if that's exactly what they were trying to say, you know, about this, like, but they, they chose like fancy, you know, gastronomical world that Remy is seen as an outsider. He's, you know, one of the ladies in the film goes, rats, disgusting little creatures, you know? So clearly he is not welcome in this world. And I feel like you can really use that for so many, like, I think a lot of people have entered a world that they feel like they do not belong in. Yes. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you and I can feel like we relate to this rat so much, but so many people from many different communities, I think, could feel that way. Just because what they did in this movie is essentially isolated that feeling of how it feels to be othered mm-hmm. and in a world where you are not welcome and how to succeed by working together. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah. So I really liked that video. I highly recommend. You guys should absolutely check it out. And then another uh, reading of this was once again in that essay that I was reading is that 
Remy can, it's almost like a queer allegory. I've also seen on, <laughs> on Tumblr, like back in high school, I saw a post that was talking about how Remy uh, represents like what it's like to be trans because he has two parts of himself. He has like his human self and which, you know, his creative artistic side, which is seen as like not good in his rat community. And then he has his rat self, which is not accepted obviously in the human community. So he's Mm -hmm. like, he can't really win no matter what, but he has to just like do his own thing no matter what. And yeah. And he remains quote unquote in the closet throughout the movie while he's under the chef hat. So that's the only way he can really navigate this world in which he's not welcome mm-hmm. is by pretending, by pretending that it's linguine, yeah. you know, fi- like physically hiding <laughs> in this world. Uh-huh. So it makes sense. But he has to figure out how to define himself outside of these conflicting groups and just be who he is exactly yeah. how he was made. And I think that's a very beautiful beautiful message and I think that's why you can see so many different themes in this this movie yeah and I think a lot of like people feel like they have to be an either or something like I'm either this or I'm either that and with Remy he's going through that same pattern am I a rat am I a human what am I and then he realizes he's something different he's new he's he's both in a way Mm -hmm. and i think because he is both he's something completely different yes it's so beautiful and a lot of people feel that way about things you know even if you're doing like simplest like just people want to categorize themselves so Mm -hmm. they can fit in simple as oh like am i a barbie or am i a Pratt's? like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that just like something like that where the movie showcases it in a way where it explains that you could be both Mm -hmm. and I think that can relate to you know queer kids out there for sure Mm -hmm. yeah and I just think one of the reasons why I really really love this movie so much as an adult is just it's so it's such a thematically rich film you can see so many different perspectives and also when Anton Ego talks about like he wants fresh perspective and Remy's mm-hmm. of course like he's the only person well not person he's the only creature he's within the creator that, he's the creator but he's the only one who can bring a new perspective because he literally is from the rat world like he's not like us he's not gonna have the same perspective that we have and so I just think that's like really interesting too and Anton Ego's speech where he talks about embracing the new and the new needs friends because mm-hmm. oftentimes when something new comes into the world people hate it <laughs> and they judge it and they try to tear it down and they don't like it and I think you know that could be said about the backlash of, you know, that we're seeing now with uh, gay rights and all things like that, or just any backlash that we've seen throughout history of maybe certain people getting more rights or becoming more equal. I mean, the rats are kind of becoming slightly more equal. Sure, they, they can't, you know, be seen by the other humans and they get they close the restaurant because it was rats who were cooking in the kitchen. They were like, that's no bueno. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're figuring out a way to bring that into their reality. And I think that was smart too, because they kind of talk about that in the, the capitalism video of, Oh, well it's not, you know, it's not a perfect utopia. Yeah. They're still separate. I'm like, but that's real life. You know, it, it is incremental change. It's not going to happen in one day where all of a sudden every single human accepts rats and believes that rats can yeah. you know, be just like them. It's a step. It's a step progress. forward. Exactly. 
And I feel like that is also very realistic. So there's just so much going on. And so many people, I think, can really see themselves in Remy, whether they're rat chefs or not. <laughs> you know, you can you can just really feel what he's feeling. And that's what I think is to me makes really, really good art is that so many people can look at it and relate to it. Mm-hmm. and creating, you know, these metaphors. Because if you say, like, specifically what you're trying to talk about, not everyone is going to necessarily relate to the specifics of someone's life. But if you can put it into the metaphor of a rat chef in Paris, I think that's why, you know, I've been listening to a lot of, obviously, Taylor Swift, I love her so much, but a lot of other lyricists and reading a lot of poetry lately and trying to figure out why it is that I can re- relate to this kind of mm-hmm. work so much. And it's because they're described, they're using other things that we can relate to to describe something very personal to them, but they make it impersonal somehow. But it is deeply personal at the same time. And I just, yeah, I think that makes beautiful art. And mm-hmm. I, I just, this movie does it so well. Yeah, it is like a balance between your own reality and the reality you share with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this, it's so beautiful because the message that they're trying to get across comes across very well. But also it's such a beautiful and wholesome message. It just the film makes you feel a lot better at the end. And you, there's other forms of art out there that have messages that make you sad or scared about the world. But this one, it just is so uplifting. Mm-hmm. It just makes you feel happy. It is. But it's not like I feel like it's not in its own little optimistic world that doesn't you know, makes sense, right? Like, you do see that humans do hate rats. They do kill rats. Yeah. Remy's not frequently not accepted in this world and almost killed multiple times. But there's still hope. There are still three humans now who are on his side and support his dream. And his whole family. It's very hopeful. And the rats now support his dream. And through supporting his dream, the rats are kind of, like, elevated into a higher level of society because now they get to have a nice restaurant. (laughs) <laughs> they, that, you know, they get to have our professional, I guess, restaurant that they can go to. So it's just interesting. And yeah, I, I love it. It's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. So how does this movie inspire you, Sarah, as a filmmaker? Well, I mean, movies just in general inspire me. But when I get a really good one, and especially when it's animated, I get very excited. Um, because... There's so much detail in these movies, these animated movies, again, because they have that liberty to create the world as they they want. So it's for me, it's in the little details as well. Like um, when Remy, he sleeps in an oven mitt. That's so cute. Or um, just the way that they have Remy like talking with Linguini through like Linguini speaks to Remy and Remy can kind of motion back but Remy doesn't have that speech Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting that they are visually communicating like Remy can read Remy uh, can understand Linguini but I think it's interesting that they didn't let Remy speak to Linguini Mm -hmm. they had him just just motion Uh, I think that was a really good and creative way to um have them have that relationship because you know we have relationships like I have a relationship with my dog but he doesn't speak to me 
And so I think in that way, it felt more realistic. And, you know, it's just those little like things that they creatively decide on to visually tell the story. And that's where I feel like most because I'm really into art history. I'm really into like film history and theory. And so the visual element to me is the most inspiring. So when they're able to communicate a story visually, it it makes my heart soar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like you're a visual girly, which makes sense because you're a little paintstress and I'm much more of like a word girly and mm-hmm. thinking about the writing in terms of things like that when I think about movies or when I, well, I'm again, I've been really into poetry lately and things like that. And obviously languages, I just like words, mm-hmm. but you like the art, you like the pictures, you like the visual communication. Yeah. I like the story behind a, mm-hmm. uh, a crafted image. Mm-hmm. I think that's so smart. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think, we're slaying at writing this film together because you and I just like, we come at it so differently. And I feel like I have such a good political science, philosophical brain. So when I think about our script, I'm very much like, what are we trying to say? And when I think about Ratatouille, I'm mainly thinking about like, what are they trying to say about art? What does this mean for society? What does this mean for me personally? How does this affect me? How has this affected my whole life? Obviously I started this episode just saying like this movie changed, like impacted my psyche Mm -hmm. at a very young age. So I, it's just interesting to see how you and I as artists even approach this film. You know, mm-hmm. of course, I'm going to talk about capitalism. Yeah, I study political science. Very different ways that we view the same movie. But once again, we're taking who we are and our backgrounds and what makes us who we are. And we're putting our put that and our pussies into this episode. <laughs> and that's why this episode's such a slay. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Ratatouille in a while... What are you doing? Yeah, it's a really good thing. Go you hadn't it. seen Ratatouille in a while before I know, today. But I, I but watched I it last but week. But if you're listening to this episode and you haven't seen it, then go watch it. Yeah, I feel go like... Go watch it and get your own opinion. I feel like we should have said in the beginning of this episode, like, warning, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you haven't seen the film, but it's been out for a long time. But also, like... Now, this is the end of the episode, but whatever. But we highly recommend you watch the movie and then listen to this episode because it's basically just like a film analysis of the story. And if you really don't, if you don't know who Colette is, um, none of this is going to make sense to you, you know? Mm. So I highly recommend watching the film. Yes. It's, I mean, also just listening to us that maybe it'll inspire you to go watch a film or just think more critically about art or film and, on your next artful experience, you can think more critically about what it means to you, what it means to society, you know, how they're communicating the story visually, things like that. Yeah. Basically, there is more than what always meets the eye in terms of art. And I also think that any interpretation of art is valid because when you, it, it, art is not something you watch necessarily is something you experience and something you feel you feel Mm -hmm. so if certain feelings come up that are brought out from this movie obviously somebody really saw ratatouille and was like this is the trans experience that's very valid because even though maybe brad bird didn't write this story to be about that those themes are still present because we're all human beings we experience very similar feelings Mm -hmm. depending you know, on the situation that we're in. And that's what's so beautiful about being a human is that our, 
you know, even when we think that we're the only person who experienced this feeling, we're so weird. How could blah, blah, blah. No, millions of humans have felt exactly more than millions, probably throughout all of human history. Countless humans have felt exactly how you felt. Maybe not. Maybe they haven't been in the exact same situation that you have been in, but we can still relate to each other via art. And I think that is so beautiful and so powerful. Yeah. And you can have an artistic eye with anything. I mean, the obvious things like film, music, art, um, but you can have an artistic eye with nature. You can have an artistic eye with the way the furniture is made. You can have an artistic eye for anything that you find fascinating so I encourage everyone to have a little artistic eye because it is it's very mentally stimulating as well it's just more fun to look at things at least for me it's very fun to look at art and criticize not criticize analyze it and see what it what comes up within myself Mm -hmm. you know because it also teaches you more about yourself and what's in you what you're made of yes well thank you for listening to this episode and thank you Sarah for joining me today If you would like to support our podcast, please leave us a review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can also follow our Instagram at culturallyconsciouspod. And or you can also if you have any other thoughts or if you have a different interpretation of this film, I would really I'm telling you guys, I could talk about this movie all day long. So please, if you saw anything else in it, I would love to hear your opinions either about art or ratatouille just in general if you're a french person want to be like ratatouille was so wrong france is not like this then i would also love to hear that too so you can email us at culturallyconsciouspod at gmail.com and thank you again for listening so i'm gonna say a little au revoir on my part sarah do you want to say do you want to say oh wait can you try to say au revoir au revoir beautiful okay bye bye